Many, many blessings, all. It's a good day. This is a good day. This is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. I'm ahead and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm going over. I'm not going under. How about you? We're going on in everything God has in store for our lives. This is a wonderful, wonderful day. It's a great day to get into the Word of God. And so uh, I would encourage you to take out your swords, the sword of the Spirit, sword of the Lord, uh, and you might mark in your Bible where we're going to, or put a, a placeholder there, we're going to go to Romans 15, and then we're going to go just a few books right of Psalms to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. So just a little forewarning so you can flip to get there, Romans 15 and Ezekiel 37. Um, last week we talked just a little bit about no more negative feasts. Um, I was at a, a, a little thing yesterday, social gathering yesterday, and I uh, went over to say something to Sister Russell, and she started quoting last Sunday's sermon at me uh, as I was talking to her. And I was like, I know, I know where you heard that. Um, I, she said something like, stop all that negativity, Pastor. I don't remember what it was, but no, it was uh, just a sweet reminder of some of the things the Lord's been stirring. No more negative feasts. And so last week we began to address the issue of negativity, and I just felt like what the Lord was saying um, as we were stepping into this morning is for us to understand that there is a deeper source than we might realize that actually feeds negativity. And what we have to do is address the deeper source. Anybody here ever struggle with pessimism? Can I just see you, you know, Murphy's Law type of thing? Uh, and so you might not just be dealing with negativity. You might be dealing with some deeper stuff going on in your life. And so I want us to take a look at what that looks like today as we talk about the deeper issue of hopelessness. Because hopelessness actually produces negativity because there's just no hope in the conversation. And so um, the title today in this uh, message this morning is conquering hopelessness at the table of the Lord. We're still feasting at the table of the Lord. You are what you eat. So making room to get into the word, making room to get into places of prayer, just being with him, rehearsing his word. We have a number of really great verses of scripture on uh, conquering homeless, uh, you know, homelessness too, hopelessness. Um, <laughs> that are on the blog and so you can get that you can pick up our live notes now if you want to kind of see where the fill in blank things are uh, by hitting our app um, but but conquering hopelessness I think is something that um, the Lord really wants to help us understand when we're feasting at the table of the Lord and allowing him to nourish our faith it actually releases this enduring hope enduring hope and so no matter what the circumstances may be with God, there's always hope. How many of you know, as long as there's breath in your body, there's always hope with God. We even see in the Bible when there wasn't breath in the body, there was still hope with God. Like he's God and we're not. And that's amazing that we get to be in relationship with him. So we're going to start in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And, I, and again, I just, I'm trying to just be sensitive to what the Lord's wanting to do. Uh, rather than nervously trying to stand before a crowd of people to impress them. You know, I just want to know the heart of Jesus. Uh, that's, that's what all of us are after. And so uh, I, one of the things that the Lord was showing me this week as I was praying over this moment was as I read Scripture today, I saw that there's just this washing away of hopelessness 
that was going to happen in the room and in your room, wherever you are online. Just this, as we read, there's something about the reading of Scripture that I keep coming back to over and over again, realizing it's more significant than we've allowed ourselves to understand it. And so as I'm reading his word, let's recognize that's where we discover the power of God washing over us, even in this moment, addressing hopelessness. So we just surrender, Lord, um, all sense of any hopelessness to any situation that we've dismissed, that we've just settled into and decided that's just the way it is. Or would you dislodge anything that's stuck like that? In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Romans 15, simple verse 13. May the God of hope, He is the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. This is just so rich. There's so many things in, in this one verse alone. Number one, he's the God of hope. He fills us with joy. As the God of hope filling us with joy, the devil doesn't stand a chance. It's amazing. You're here on purpose, Jalen. There's just been some areas of disappointment that uh, the Lord's just snapping right off. This morning I was out just praying in my yard. I noticed this little twig growing on the, on the tree, and, and, and I thought that shouldn't be there. I just went over and just snapped it off. That's exactly what's happening in your life. You're just snapping off those little spaces of disappointment in Jesus' mighty name. I believe that's happening in a lot of our lives. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. He's going to fill you with all joy and peace in believing. I mean, you know, your belief is a significant part of hope. What you believe determines if you hope. This is really uh, key, because again, a, a well-nourished faith produces an enduring hope. An anemic faith, you've just not been in the Word, you really forsake the assembling, you don't gather as the church consistently or sacrificially. You know, you're, you're, when your faith is malnourished, you really don't have enduring hope because you're not addressing the deeper issue of what's going on that produces the beliefs that exist within you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, wow, you don't abound in hope because the circumstances all line up. That's a worldly hope. Peace doesn't come from the absence of problems. Peace comes from the presence of God. By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abound in hope. You're looking at this with your natural eyes, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you begin to abound in hope. 
You see everything that's been lost in your life, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you begin to abound in hope. So come to the table of the Lord. Nourish your faith. Even in times of difficulty. Especially in times of difficulty. Your faith is the substance of things hoped for. So again, this belief part is a, a, important. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. This faith is really an important part of this. Well, I keep saying it, but it, it's one of your blanks. Well-nourished faith develops enduring hope. Well-nourished faith develops enduring hope. Not just hope like the world would know it, but enduring hope. Where, where I, I fix my eyes on that which is unseen. That which is seen is not going to take control of the faculties of my mouth. I'm not just going to be a thermometer that's going to tell you what the temperature is in a room, in a situation, the temperature of a circumstance. I'm just going to, like a thermometer, tell you what it is. Like a thermostat, I'm going to set the tone and declare what it's about to become. There's a difference. But we've got to be full of the Spirit, full of the power of the Spirit, and willing to see something that we can't see with, the nat in our, natural, uh, with our natural eyes in the natural realm. Well-nourished faith develops this enduring hope. And so, what's the Lord's response to complicated circumstances? Anybody had any complicated circumstances in your life? <laughs> what's the Lord's response? Well, Psalms 23, 5, he prepares a table in the presence of your enemies. In the most adversarial circumstance that you can imagine, the way you stand up and fight is you sit down and eat in the kingdom of God. I mean, it's a crazy reality. But just getting in his presence and listening to what he says actually has the power to change everything about what it is that you see. But you have to nourish your faith to have this enduring hope or you simply lose all hope because of the adversarial circumstances of your life. Goliath is big. I believe Goliath is ugly. I believe Goliath is smelly. I believe Goliath can hold your attention and captivate the resource of your faith and cause you to step into a space of fear. But God is calling you out of that fear where you actually have a greater fear of God than anything else that would ever come. And just by default, standing in the fear of the Lord, nothing else can touch me. So there's some tough stuff that goes on in our lives. I, I have to say uh, there have been two situations that I've carried for a few weeks. Nobody here, uh, but two situations that I would say are the most devastating circumstances, some of definitely, some of the most devastating circumstances in these two situations these families have ever experienced. And, and I mean, it's been a lot of interaction and conversation and prayer and, and tears and and, um, and man, I, I have just felt the weight of this intercessory. You, you got to understand, you actually carry weight in a, in a state of prayer uh, for the people that God's crossed your paths on purpose with. This is part of our role in intercession. Like, how many know there's more going on than what you see in the natural? And there are a lot of times I'll come home and, you know, if I'm, you know, Tracy will kind of perceive I'm a little uncharacteristically sharp or... Uh, you know, snippy, uh, something along those lines. She might just say, 
Uh, who are you ministering to right now? Have you had some counseling appointments? What's going on? Because you seem to be carrying something out of a situation on behalf of somebody else's pain, and it's coming into our house. And so we just come together in agreement in that moment right then and declare that's not only broken in our house, it's broken in their house as well, in the name of Jesus. This is the essence of intercession. I start to feel a sense of that, and then I just respond to the Lord, and it's not only uh, a situation where he breaks me into a place of freedom, but he breaks those that have been entrusted to our uh, intercessory influence. This is, this is not hokey and weird. This is, just, this is not radical. This is just biblical. Carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If somebody's caught in a sin, I'm just quoting the book of Galatians, if somebody's caught in a sin, go to them, you who are spiritually strong, spiritually mature, spiritually able, but be careful lest their sin begins to touch your life and you fall under the same temptation that they're facing. What is all that saying? Paul is warning them that you are actually called to minister into the lives of those around you, but as you do, their stuff tries to get on you. So if you don't have a strong rhythm of prayer, if you don't have a strong rhythm of anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage, then when you start trying to help somebody, their stuff will start to tackle you. So you've got to be strong in the Lord and develop in and of yourself a strengthened faith that produces an enduring hope no matter how hopeless a situation may look. He is the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. It looks like there's no way there is a way his name is Jesus he is the way he is the truth and he is the life and so when we look historically as we go to Ezekiel chapter 37 we see something really uh, unique about the body of Christ and and it was the forerunning of the body of Christ the people of God in the Old Testament obviously before Jesus came uh, but but the, the people of God in the Old Testament had suffered great um, problem. I, I recently, somebody said something to me. It was kind of a funny, you know, he said, man, things have been really rough lately. I said, I know if God would only make our lives like all the people in the Bible who had it easy. <laughs> Do you realize virtually every biblical hero you could name actually suffered as a slave under all kinds of governmental oppression from ungodly forces that existed from Persia to Babylon. To, I mean, do you understand that? Like we're the freest any believers have ever been and we feel so oppressed sometimes. I mean, we just need to take a chill for a moment and let me caution you because I'm really praying about how to begin to respond to this. I'm personally growing weary with conversations about how bad the world is. I just I think you're you're focused on the wrong thing if your conversation centers around how dark darkness is when the fact is light is always going to prevail against darkness. 
If the church can be talked into giving up hope for a better future, then the world is in great trouble. Because the Bible doesn't say, if the world will stop being so bad, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. The problem in our world is not the abundance of darkness. The problem in our world is the absence of light. He's the light. You're the light. We're the light. Let's be the light. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. I mean, if you want to talk about how bad things are, then talk about how gracious God is. Because he's going to send a flood of grace to any situation if the church will simply get into alignment. This is exactly what we see happening in Ezekiel 37. Babylon had invaded Israel, crushed them to a state of hopelessness. I mean, everything about the existence of God's work in the earth seemed to be in a state of ruin. I want you to just know this. Two weeks, two weeks from today, first Sunday in August, we're going to start studying together the book of Nehemiah. God is rebuilding ruins in this hour of the church. I am not one who's given up on the church, never have I nor will I ever, because God is at work in the body of Christ. But we are going to start to explore together as a church family. We bought books for everyone. Everybody gets a book. We're going to go through the book of Nehemiah for nine weeks. There are nine chapters. We're going through nine weeks. And the Lord's just been saying to me, He's going to breathe life into us to breathe life into others as He restores the ruins as He did in the days of Nehemiah. So will it be the case in our day. I believe we're coming into an hour of the greatest hour of the body of Christ that anybody has ever known or seen. Well, we've got to have hope and faith and be positioned correctly to be able to see all of those things materialize because our opinion about what God can do actually really matters. Ezekiel's level of hope had a specific influence on what God was going to be able to do. And we need to understand that looking at this because, again, Israel was in ruin and God starts having a conversation with, with Ezekiel at a time of absolute devastation. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 3. I should have, should have found it before I got all wound up and we're ready and now this anticlimactic, I'm having to look in my Bible. I found it. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Every time we come back and just read scriptures, we want to just reiterate, we cannot gather around clever, insightful sermons and hope to experience the power of God. We have to gather around the reality of your word, giving precedence to the power that comes from the power of scripture. In Jesus' mighty name. Ezekiel 37, 3 to 10. This is God speaking to Ezekiel. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? We're going to read a lot more, but I want to ask you, can your situation still live? This was a valley down in the valley 
the valley so low. I know you're thinking, why don't you lead worship every Sunday with a golden voice like that? <laughs> this was a valley. This was a valley of death. We know it was a valley of death because there were bones in this valley. It was not just a valley of death where there were bones in a valley, but this is a valley of very dead death. It was dry bones. A valley of what the Bible describes very dry bones in this valley of death. This is the vision that Ezekiel is having that God is talking to him about. He said, Son of man, can these bones live? Like they do not look like they can live. It, your situation may not look like it can live. You've got to understand this before we can go on. I'm just going to cooperate with the Lord in the reading of His Word. Some of you all need to fix the crosshairs of your scope right now. Aim it in on the situation that you are believing God to begin to address. Can these bones still live? These are valley of very dry bones. Might be your finances, might be your marriage, might be your career, might be your, you know, whatever it is. Fix your mind on this and answer the question. Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Stop telling everybody how bad your situation is and start declaring a prophetic declaration over your situation according to what God has to say. <laughs> prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Let's say it together. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 7, so I prophesied and as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise. As I was prophesying, something started happening. As I was prophesying, that which seemed like there could be no movement suddenly began to have movement. As I was prophesying, a situation that looked hopeless suddenly started giving some sound coming from it. As I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. How many know that's exciting? But, there's always a big butt in the middle of all of it, isn't there? I'm just going to move on. Bones came together, bone to bone. Tendons and flesh appeared, skin covered, but there was no breath in them. Uh, sounded like there was something good going on. Looked like something was going to go my way finally after all this time, but do you understand? Like this is a progression that you're going to have to develop a healthy faith that produces an enduring hope so that you don't give up every time the but portion of the promise that doesn't go exactly the way you thought it would. I know you figured it all out. This is how God needs to take care of my situation. And once he does this, he'll do this and do that. And then when it doesn't work out the way that you thought it was going to be, then you're mad because God didn't take your advice. Who's God, him or you? But there was no breath in them. And then he said, prophesy some more. If it hasn't 
come together in fullness the way you anticipated. If what you are seeing is not what God has been saying, then what you are seeing is not the finished work. So he said, prophesy some more. He said to me, verse 9, prophesy to the breath. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. This was a vast army of the living God that was born from absolute death and ruin. This is what God wants to do in your life. Your greatest pain many times will reveal your deepest purpose. Do not give up. God is at work in releasing something in your life that's going to change the world around you. If you will not run, not grow weary in doing good don't lose hope stir yourself up to believe God and let's keep moving forward we're all a work in progress <laughs> Ezekiel's level of hope can these bones live Ezekiel's level of hope prophesy Ezekiel okay I prophesied but it didn't all come together at once Ezekiel's level of hope had an absolute influence on what God was able to do your level of hope has an absolute influence on what God is able to or not able to do. Can these bones still live? Are you facing something in your life right now and you're having to pick yourself up and make sure you're declaring what God is saying rather than what you're feeling? Because your feelings are not a good indicator of God's power. What you believe about your situation actually has, think about this, what you believe about your situation actually has the power to limit what God will do. If we don't believe things can get better, something within us begins to die. This is why a well-nourished faith and an enduring hope matters so much. The problem is a problem. Whatever the problem is, the problem is a problem. But hopelessness about the problem is actually a greater problem than the problem itself. Because with God, all things are possible. So often people live shipwrecked lives with disoriented conclusions in any area of your life, I said it last week, I'll say it again, any area of your life that lacks hope is under the influence of a lie. God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all we can ask or imagine. All things are working together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. With God's setbacks become comebacks. That's just who He is. He's the comeback king because that which was death came out of death, life. He's constantly saying, no matter the crucifixion, I can bring about resurrection. It's the power of God Almighty that He can awaken something within us, turning things around that look like there is no hope. There is absolute hope with God. All things are possible. Hope energizes us. Hope is the belief that the future can be better than the present and that we actually have the power within us to help make it so. That's what hope will do for our lives. The basis of negativity 
Is the feasting on those negative things as a result of hopelessness that just feeds that diet and serves the table? I want to say, come to the table of the Lord and let's feast with this king who has cheated every possible enemy that could ever be coming against any of us and any of our children or any of our grandchildren or any in the legacy ten, ten generations after us. Come on, if you've got believers in your upline that have gone before you, you ought to just call down the blessing of God that that they paid a price for that's landing on your life today in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, somebody shout it and declare it. These bones can live. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. As we get our beliefs right. As we get our beliefs right. Not everybody wants to hear the reality of the Word of God. It's not always comfortable. As we get our beliefs right, hope begins to rise. Real, true hope. So let's not live our lives under the influence of a lie. Can these bones live? Some of you know what your valley of very dry bones would be right now. But I'm just trying to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying because he's talking to every one of us in the room, isn't he? It's the beauty of Christianity. It's not, Christianity is not trying to be good. Christianity is learning to be dead. And when you learn to die to yourself, that's when you live to Christ. And he's actually able to work through your total and complete surrender. We all want the resurrection, but you have to have a crucifixion before you can have a resurrection. That's why the Bible says that we are to know him and his resurrection by participating in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death. I'm, I'm just... Um, I'm in a different place personally in my pursuit of the Lord. I'm just constantly coming back to verses like what I just quoted to you. And I just churn on them. Churn. Every word, I'm just rehearsing phrases. This morning I was praying, Lord, would you help me learn an effective posture to really rehearse the Word of God? Because I started walking. Like when it was time for me just to rehearse these verses, I've got all these screenshots and I walk and pray and, and I would do that a lot, but now it's gotten pretty hot during the day. And... Um, so it's not as conducive. So I'm, I'm trying to just figure out wh what's the posture for me? What does that look like? Where I'm actually just rehearsing the Word. I, I want to I reflect in the Word of God as a part of my faith journey in the pursuit of the Lord. I know don't have time for that. We've got too many games on our phone to play, right? I mean, honestly, we can... We can 
take an honest evaluation of the time we're investing in the things that we're investing in and, and devote a little more time to really focusing in on things that really matter. Would you agree? Can I get an amen from this? <laughs> it's just a matter of what matters. So I'm just going to invite you this week, your action point, you know, GP2RL. We love God's presence. And so GP2RL is just really the core of who we are as a family. We bring God's presence to real life. We know that's our assignment. If somebody ever said, what's destiny all about? That's what destiny's all about. We are just a people. We're all on a journey just trying to find our way, but we're just a people who bring God's presence to real life. That's what we do. We experience Him, and we express Him. And we're doing that the best way we know how, and we're growing to be better at it every single day. So your action point, where you're bringing God's presence to real life, action point of the week is rehearse truth and rehearse hope. All week, just bring every area of your life under the influence of God's Word. So I have a bunch of verses that speak to hope on the blog, destinyokc.com somehow you know print those out put them on your phone whatever you need to do but all week I would encourage you to focus in on that and and this is what we do as a family and that's why I started this morning saying you know discover destiny um, and I want to encourage you if you're not involved like maybe you've been hanging around here for a while and maybe you've been through discovering destiny you know years ago but I would encourage you to really consider if you're new and wanting to explore who we are as a church, what this all looks like, then mark it down, August the 20th. Discover Destiny. Right after church, we're going to have a 30 to 40 minute max conversation. We try and keep it under half an hour, but sometimes Lindsay Judd, man, she's just so long-winded. <clears throat> but that's just an explanation of what that progression looks like and how we can work together. So if you're interested in that, by the way, just make sure you, you get the fullness of it. Just take this Connect card, write your name, and mark Discover Destiny. Drop it in one of our giving stations back there. You'll be able to do it online. But I want to focus in just for a moment on um, just receiving God's Word. So just right where you are, just, just humor me, would you? Just close your eyes, open your heart. I want to declare a few verses of Scripture that you'll find on the blog this week. And Father, would you just awaken something within our hearts? Revive some things that need to be revived. Restore some things that need to be restored. Replenish some things that need to be replenished. Even as we rehearse these verses of Scripture together as a family over the course of this next week. Psalms 118 verses 13 and 14. I was pushed back and about to fall but the Lord helped me the Lord is my strength and my defense he has become my salvation Jeremiah 119 they will fight against you but they will not overcome you for I am with you and I will rescue you declares the Lord Isaiah 43 verse 2 when you pass through waters I will be there 2nd Thessalonians 3 5 may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance this enduring hope 
1 Timothy 6.12 Fight. Fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. This is not about being tough. It's not about mustering up human ability. This is about understanding. This is about the faith. It begins by understanding Jesus died on a cross. And we go from death to life when we accept <coughs> that he's risen from the grave. He is the Savior of the world. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed all these lambs and all these animals and blood sacrifice was a, a part of the propitiation for sins. And then Jesus came as the ultimate sacrificial lamb. And when he died on the cross and bled his blood out into the ground that was cursed from the sin, it reversed that curse into a blessing. When we look at the cross of Christ and we say that is the sacrificial lamb who came to save and seek and save every single one of us, dying so that we don't have to live in a state of death in our sins. That's when we then go from death to life as we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you believe Jesus is Lord, will you confess with your mouth the belief in your heart by saying amen right now? It's pretty simple. Some of you may have just gone from death to life with that simple declaration. It's just a matter of believing in your heart and declaring Jesus is Lord. Like salvation isn't hard. But then lordship takes the rest of your life. And so I'm going to say this again. Fight the good fight of faith. Why don't you stand? Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. God is, God is arming us with a fight. He's refreshing the fight. I want to say to you, stop asking for easy and get in a fighter's frame of mind. Stop being frustrated with God when things are not easy and stay in a fighter's frame of mind. The Bible says fight, so you're going to have to fight. Let's just be clear, this is a fight. You are going to have to fight. So stop being frustrated that things aren't easy when the Bible tells you you're going to have to fight. When you look at all the people that followed after the ways of God in the Old Testament Scripture, even in the New Testament Scripture, and the situation didn't just all of a sudden open up and there was never any type of conflict or adversarial circumstance, but they had to guard their heart, keep their focus on God. Something was awakened within them that then had the power to transform the world around them. You and I are mightily used by God when we get our opinion right that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all we can ask or imagine fight fight the good fight of faith awaken that fight within us I pray Lord awaken that fight within us in Jesus mighty name you don't have to fight alone this place is filled with fighters <laughs> We've been around here for a while, and there's some people that have been fighting for a long time. And I'm telling you, there are some, there's some war horses in this house. People have been through some things, and we'll stand with you and declare you're not alone. If two agree on earth is touching about anything, it shall be done. What does that mean? Let's press in and go deeper in our belief and our declaration. Now, I, I want to just say this. I'm going to invite the prayer team up, but before they move, I want to just make this so clear. I'm concerned 
We may be moving into a time where lingering actually becomes more of what we do. And we're not used to that. And all I mean is we live in a day where 59 minutes is the church time. And we want to make it as convenient as possible. And the Lord is just... We can't take the lion of the tribe of Judah and stick him in a cage and bring him into church and think that we're going to have what God desires for us to have. So there's going to have to be some time where we're just lingering and we're like, who's in charge here? You know what? Shouldn't somebody be saying something? Usually people that start getting to that place quickly are those that don't know what it is to really tarry in a place of prayer personally. If you learn to linger in your time of prayer in the Word with the Lord, it'll feel kind of natural what we're doing. But I'm just saying that just to be prepared. There's never any condemnation if anybody needs to step out. But I am going to consistently say... This is part of our assignment as a church family. We, uh, you know, we get stirred up, activated, awakened to what God's revealing in this moment. And then we're just going to worship into it just a little bit. We won't take too long with all of it. Just as the Lord would direct, we may do you know, more of that as we progress into what's ahead. I don't know. I, I'm not trying to make that happen at all. I'm just trying to be sensitive to the Lord. So when I say that to you, let's, let's hang together and take what the Lord's stirring and let's bring it back to Him in worship. This is part of our assignment. If, if people need to, to roll, we understand. Don't feel bad about that. But do understand, this is part of our assignment. So try and prepare your schedule to be able to be a part of what the Lord may want to use you to release for me with your voice and your time of worship and prayer that might be more than just something going on in you. So we want to learn that together. So our, our prayer team, if you all will go ahead and come up. We're just going to take a few moments in worship. I would invite every single one of you, prophesy to some bones right now. Prophesy in that valley. Some things are coming together that weren't coming together before we showed up in here and hope started to begin to be awakened supernaturally within our, ho our hearts. Some things that actually have ceased to exist are going to exist once again. Some things that we gave up on, the Lord is going to say, I want you to not give up on that. I'm going to redeem that. I'm going to restore that. I'm going to awaken that. It looks like a valley of death, of very dry bones, but God is able to take care of any circumstance or situation that you may be facing. And our prayer team is available. If we can pray a prayer of agreement with you about anything at all, please don't hesitate. Let's press in. Let's go deeper. There are altars stationed up here with little carpet spaces under them. If you just need to get on your face before God, come on, let's press in. Let's take a few moments and just have a sense of what God's revealing before we're actually dismissed today.